So we're uh, just going to read uh, from God's Word uh, from the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. John's going to be uh, coming up to uh, share with us from Psalm 130 uh, today. Um, I'm just going to read and then I'm going to pray for for us, for John, uh, for God to come and move among us as we hear from his word. So you should be able to watch, uh, read along on the screen in a minute, uh, hopefully, or else if you have a Bible with you, uh, Psalm 130. And this is God's word. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who can stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than, a, uh, than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we um, are humbled to be able to come and gather uh, in your presence this morning, knowing that you are here among us, and knowing that you uh, love to be with your people, and knowing that you uh, hear our prayers as we pray them this morning, knowing that uh, you want to speak to us this morning uh, from your word, uh, knowing that you hear uh, the earnest praises of our hearts. And as we gather this morning, uh, Lord, I pray that you would just fill us with awe uh, as to who you are. Fill us with wonder. Fill us with expectation. Fill us with uh, excitement and just a sense of you are working this morning in this room. And Lord, whatever we have brought uh, to this room from our, from our weeks, uh, this past week, whatever uh, anxieties we have for the week ahead, whatever is going on in our circumstances, Lord, I pray that we bring those uh, to you this morning, that we can bring them to the one who knows all, who sees all, who is sovereign over all, and who loves his people. Lord, I pray Spirit, that you would move among us freely this morning, that you would convict us, uh, that you would uh, just change us, that you would encourage us, that you would build us up, that you would equip us today from your word. Lord, I pray for our, our kids' spaces as well. Uh, Lord, I pray for the, the leaders there as they come to teach the kids from your word. I pray for them. I pray for the kids that they'll receive it. I pray for those uh, young people who are making changes in their lives over the next few weeks uh, moving to new schools, a uh, new part of their, their journey. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would know, uh, that they would know so closely that you are, are with them and know, that they would know your presence, that you're, that you're leading them. Um, and Lord, just pray that uh, we would serve them well as a church, that we would encourage them and pray for them as well. Lord, I pray for those who have uh, come up through uh, years of, of uh, kids' programs here in, in Cornerstone, uh, Lord, as they uh, just change into, transition into uh, another part of their, their, their church family journey as well, uh, Lord, that you would continue to lead them and guide them. Pray for each one. I pray for us in this room this morning, Lord, just that you prepare our hearts, 
And Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, what you have to, uh, to say to us this morning. And I pray for John as he comes to, uh, to speak to us uh, from your word. Lord, I pray uh, that you would bless him, that you would give him peace and confidence uh, to stand on your word. And Lord, that what he has uh, prepared this week, uh, Lord, you will make it yours and that you will speak to us through it. Uh, for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, thanks, Holly. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, we are in Psalm 130 this morning. This psalm is part of uh, a collection of psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 130 is also known as Pil- the Pilgrim's Psalm. And why, it is, why it's known as that is because uh, this psalm on all the Psalms of Ascent were sang as the people of Israel, the people of God, would go towards Jerusalem for their many feasts, for the many religious festivals that they would go to Jerusalem for. The people would walk all together in a crowd and they would sing these Psalms as they went. And so this is part of the Psalms, known as the Psalms of Ascent, but also this is the Pilgrim's Psalm. Something we often uh, forget about, possibly, and, and don't consider, is that Jesus would have sang this psalm. Jesus as, uh, uh, and his disciples, as they walked towards Jerusalem for Passover, they would have, with the crowds of people, been singing this psalm, singing these very words as they went. Uh, Pete did a fantastic job last week on Psalm 19. And he said that Psalm 19 was C.S. Lewis's favorite psalm. I'm not competitive, as you know. Uh, that's, that's, that's sarcasm, by the way. Uh, but just, because, just so Psalm 19, C.S. Lewis's favorite psalm, I thought that I had uh, one up, Pete. Uh, so I've successfully done that and uh, came up with a psalm, Psalm 130. Psalm 130 was John Calvin's favorite psalm. Uh, it was Augustine, one of the early fa- church fathers, favorite psalm. And it was Martin Luther, one of the reformers, favorite psalm. I win. Uh, so, uh, as I say, I will give him the fact that he did a brilliant job last week uh, on Psalm 19. Martin Luther, uh, in the midst of the Reformation, uh, penned a paraphrase of Psalm 130. And it goes like this, and you'll see, as soon as I read it, you'll see why Martin Luther, in the midst of the Reformation, uh, found this psalm to be so encouraging and one of his favorites. Let me read the first couple of verses of his paraphrase. From the depths of woe I cry to thee, in trial and tribulation, bend down thy gracious ear to me, Lord, hear thy supplication. If thou rememberest every sin, who then could heaven ever win or stand before thy presence? And you'll see just as I read these opening verses, or opening words of verse 2, why this was one of his favorites. Thy love and grace alone avail and blot out my transgression. The best and holiest deeds must fail to break sin's dead oppression. Before thee none can boasting stand but all must fear thy strict demand and live alone by mercy. 
You can see, you can, you can see in those words that Luther, uh, grace alone, faith alone, those, those were the themes of his life, and he sees them in Psalm 130. And as I say, it's very clear why that was one of his favorites. But what you have in Psalm 130 is both lament and thanksgiving, both crying and praising. And, and we need to be honest when we come to a psalm like this, and it's good to be honest when we come to a psalm like this, because this expresses what the Christian life is like. Both lament and thanksgiving, both crying and praising. And the psalmist wants us to see both these aspects of his spiritual experience. It's so important. The psalms are filled with this, both lament and praise. You know, the reality is if we only had happy songs to sing to God, we couldn't sing to God because our lives are filled with hard things. The godly person's life is filled with hard things. That's just the reality. Some so hard that it's hard to conceive that they could even be unbearable. And God in His goodness and in His kindness has given us words in those moments where we feel as if we can't say any words. As I said before, the Psalms are known as the hymn book of God. And when we find it difficult, when our hearts are in that place, when we find life unbearable, these words are there to help us. And it is helpful because we find ourselves in these circumstances over and over again, where frankly we don't have the words to pray. You can't get the words out of your mouth. What do I say to God in such circumstances? And God is so kind to say, just let me put these words in your mouth. Use these words. The Lord knows what we need and he gives us these words to sing and to pray. A couple of things I just want to outline of Psalm 130 before we get into the crux of the, t the text itself is that it's structured in, in, in sort of three parts. It's structured, the first, ver the first part is verse 1 to 2, and there you see the lament. You see the psalmist lament in verse 1 and 2. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. There, there's the lament, the cry. And then in, in verse 3, we see the cause for lament, the reason for it. The reason why he's in such a, a dark, deep uh, place is, is verse 3. And then we move through the rest of the verse where we see worship. So there's three sections. There's the lament, there's the reason for the lament, and then there is a, a transition into worship and thanksgiving towards the end of the Psalms, verse 7 especially. So, what we see first is the lament. Where is the psalmist? Where is the psalmist? Well, he's in the depths. He is in the depths. Out of the depths I cry to you. He is crying. He is pleading. This is not a, it's not a casual thing. It's not a flippant thing. It is a cry for help. It's an emergency call. 
I am somewhat of an expert in emergency calls. Uh, you might not know that. If you're familiar with me, you will know the reason why. It's either my mother or my father, one or the other. Uh, and so I'll get a call. John, you need to come to the house. Uh, someone's either or has fallen. And I'll go up and inevitably, inevitably they'll be lying there. And the first thing is I make an emergency call. Now, back in the day, in the olden days, some of us may remember, uh, a couple of questions that you're asked as soon as you go on the emergency call. First question is this, what service do you require? Inevitably, it's ambulance, all right? So that's just, I haven't had to call the fire brigade yet, thankfully, or the police yet. Bert may well need that sometime. But uh, it's been ambulance. And in the olden days, before the new technology came in now and all this new stuff come in, they would have asked you, give me your location. They don't do that now because they know where you are. It's all fancy technology, all voodoo stuff out there. They don't, I don't know how it works, right? But it works. They know where you are. But before that, they would have said, give me your location. The location we find the emergency call coming from this psalmist is the depths. He's in the depths. Some of us may well find, us, find ourselves there this morning, in the depths. Or at least you know what it's like to be in the depths. One well-known theologian pastor was tasked with going around different churches uh, and preaching. And these different churches were different churches from all different denominations, all different backgrounds. And he welcomed this task because he would, it, would, it would let him see what different churches were like. And so he went, he did what he was asked to do, he went around all these different churches uh, and preached. Uh, and in his feedback, he said positively, the preaching of the Word was received very well. He said in, in all different denominations, the, the preaching of the Word, and, and the Word was seen as central, and that was a brilliant thing uh, that he found. But one thing struck him. And the one thing that struck him where he went to all these different churches from all different denominational backgrounds and all different diverse settings, the one thing that struck him was this, that all the singing was happy. All the singing was celebratory. All the singing was uplifting and powerful and, and joyful. And this sort of made him think. He said there was nothing in the singing that would have helped a struggling saint if she or he had come into church with her hopes dashed. On the back of that, it, it led him to, to write an article. Love the name of the, the, the title of the article. The title of the article was, What Can Miserable Christians Sing? And he pointed out that, that God in the Psalms has given Christians who are despairing words to sing. Those who are despairing, those who are discouraged, those who are downcast, those who are in the depths, God has given them words to sing. And that's really important. Because often that's where we find ourselves. Often we find ourselves in the depths. 
One old Puritan commentator said this, when we are in our prosperity, our prayers come from our lips. And therefore, the Lord is forced to cast us down to the end that our prayers may come from our hearts. And that's exactly where the psalmist finds himself. He finds himself in despair, in the depths, crying to the Lord, begging to the Lord for rescue, begging for the Lord to hear him. He doesn't feel like the Lord is listening to him because he says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchmen of the, for the morning, more than the watchmen for the morning. He, he feels as if God's not listening. God's not paying attention to his prayers. He laments. And the experience he finds himself in is in the depths. Now, let me ask us a question. Do we ever, have we ever been with someone who we admire spiritually, who we look up to spiritually, who we know loves the Word of God, who we know loves the church, who we know is, is, is spiritually sound? And, and, and even in those circumstances, our friend has said, I, I, at the moment, I can't find the words to pray. I can't open my Bible. I can't read the Word of God. The reality is, that's often the case. Maybe you haven't had a friend like that, but maybe it's been you. Maybe you've been in that place where, where you find it so difficult to pray, so difficult to open the Bible, so difficult to communicate with God. I want to encourage you this morning that the psalmist feels exactly the same as that. It's not a strange thing to feel like that. It's not a, it's not a, a wrong thing to feel like that. The psalmist here is feeling that very, very experience. I'm so burdened. I'm so cast down. I'm so in the depths. I can't think straight. I don't feel that God's hearing my prayers. Have you ever been there? God, in His grace and in His mercy, pens words for us that expresses this feeling. Sometimes we can wrongly believe, and I want this to be an encouragement to you this morning, sometimes we can wrongly believe that the depths is somewhere a Christian shouldn't be. Sometimes we can wrongly believe that the depths is somewhere a Christian should be. Some of us wrongly believe that we should be happy all the time. That's just wrong. You would fail to be human. You would fail to feel the range of human experience that we are supposed to experience if you did not go to the depths sometimes. Think about Jesus. Fully God, fully human, in the Garden of Gethsemane, being in the depths of despair, feeling what it is to be in the depths, crying to God, 
Lord, if there be another way, take it from me. So if you're there, if you're in that place and you're feeling guilty because you're in that place, don't. Don't. It is normative that you feel like that. The psalmist is in the depths, crying, lamenting. What has caused him to do so? What has caused him to do so? Well, thankfully, again, God in his grace and his mercy has shown us in Psalm 130 the exact reason why the psalmist is lamenting the way he is. Follow the, follow the pattern here. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Verse 3, here it comes. The reason why he is where he is is this. Verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. See, the problem, the cause of the psalmist's the psalmist being in the depths. What's the crisis that's going on here? What has gotten the psalmist to this point? What is the real problem that has the psalmist in the pit? It is this, his sin. His sin has brought him to this place. And being confronted by his own sin has brought him here. And the reality is, for us all, our deepest problem is our sin. Our deepest problem is our sin. Our deepest problem that our souls will ever face is our sin. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Sometimes in the Psalms, we see different problems for different psalmists at different times. Some of them are persecution. Some of them are oppression. Some of them are threats of sickness or whatever. Sometimes it's homesickness for Jerusalem. There are many different problems expressed in the Psalms, but not Psalm 130. The only problem, the deepest problem that is expressed in Psalm 130 is our sin. That's the problem. The problem is the guilt of our sin. The psalmist is looking at his own heart and saying, Lord, if you were to deal with me the way that I deserve to be dealt with, you would throw the book at me. That's what I deserve. I could not stand before you. I would be pronounced guilty as charged. If you dealt with me the way that you should deal with me, in accordance to, to my sin, you would condemn me. You would cast me out. You would curse me. You would send me to hell, and rightly so. That's what the psalmist is saying. Because it's exactly what I deserve. It's not wrong. It's not wrong for you to do that. It would be, it'd be totally just for you to do that. The biggest, deepest problems our soul will ever face is our own sin. 
Folks, no one has ever overestimated. No one has ever overestimated the damage that our own sin can do to us and to those around us. No one has ever overestimated that. I heard something this week. It was a really old clip. Uh, many of you be familiar with John Piper. Uh, but it was a really old, old clip of Piper. It came from the 80s. That's how old it is. Because that's, that's where I'm from. Uh, but it was really challenging, but also really helpful. And it said this. He said this. There is only one reason people will go to hell. Only one reason people will go to hell, and that one reason is unforgiven sin. He says, Satan can harass you, Satan can tempt you, Satan can uh, do all he can to you. You can be oppressed by demons, you can hear things in the night, you can hear noises under your bed that, that, are, that are real and, and may freak you out, and, and Satan can do all those things. But the one thing that will send you to hell is unforgiven sin. And he said, the only deadly weapon in Satan's arsenal is that, unforgiven sin. Sin is our deepest problem. It was the psalmist's deepest problem here. And I say this point over and over again, and I'll say it again, we are our own worst enemy. It's our sin that's our deepest problem. It's our sin that separates us from God. It's our rebellion against Him that has distanced us from Him. It's not some failure on His part. It's our sin. That's why St. Augustine, Augustine of Hippo, one of the early church fathers who I said this was his favorite psalm, said this. This was his prayer. Save me from myself, for I am my own worst enemy. Again, Piper. Piper, John Piper, has a PhD in New Testament studies. That means he's smart, all right? He has a PhD in New Testament studies. That also means to do a PhD in New Testament studies, you have to look at both sides of the argument, all right? So what you have to do is look at all the, the academic critics of the New Testament. So all those who oppose the reality of the New Testament, all those who oppose the reality of Christianity have, have, have studied this stuff, and they've come up with critical perspectives on the New Testament. John Piper has read them all, and he says they never made him doubt Christianity. That's a statement. If you can sit and you can read all the academic critical uh, side to, to the New Testament and come away unfazed by it, and just say, that, well, that doesn't make me doubt Christianity at all. Fair play. That's a statement. What he did say, what John Piper said, made him doubt Christianity. Even that in itself should be encouraging for us folks that John Piper doubts Christi has doubts, all right? But what John Piper said did make him doubt Christianity was this, the slowness of his own personal sanctification. Piper knows he is his own worst enemy. He is his own worst enemy. And the psalmist is saying here, Lord, of all the problems I have, 
And I have no doubt that the psalmist had loads of problems. Of all the problems I had, the greatest one is this, my sin. Because if I were to stand before you, Lord, I could not stand. You would be just in condemning me as guilty. And folks, that troubled the psalmist. It troubled the psalmist. It is the deepest problem of the soul. And I wonder, does it trouble us? Does our own sin bother us? Or do we treat it flippantly and, and, and just be like, oh, well, that's the way it is? The psalmist here was able to look at his own sin and say, Lord, if you were to deal with me in accordance to the way that I am, I could not stand. I wonder do we really see it like this and take it as seriously as it is? The other thing that these verses show us here, and, and, and this is really, really good news, is this. God's forgiveness is not based on our deserving it. If you look at verse 3 and then verse 7 especially, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, O Lord, who could stand? But then verse 7, O Israel, hope in the Lord. God's forgiveness is not based on us. It can't be based on us. It flows from Him. He's the source of it. He is everything in it. It has nothing to do with us. That's the hope. You see the lament in verse 1 and 2. Then you see the reason for the lament in verse 3. And then the psalmist literally goes from lamenting his eyes are on himself. He gives the reason for the lament. His own sin, his eyes are still on himself. And then he takes his eyes off himself and looks on Jesus. Looks on God and, and is like, my hope's not in me. It can't be. Hope, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For the Lord, with the Lord there is loving kindness. His hope for forgiveness is not based on his deserving it. He knows full well that if it was based on that, he is not in a good position. He is not in a good position. His hope is not in that he's just not, he's, you know, he's all right. Like he's, 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 he hasn't done anything really bad. His hope is not that, is in, 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 that he's been misunderstood or he's been misjudged. No, the psalmist says, there, in me there is no hope. It is all based on God. I wonder, uh, have you ever wondered, if you've come in here on a Sunday morning, have you ever wondered what it would be like, for example, to have uh, your deepest, darkest sins put on the on the overheads. Just, we'll just go this week, right? We'll just say this week. If you were to come in this, uh, today and I was to be like, right, okay, this Sunday morning, we're going to have a little experiment. And I have found out the Lord has revealed to me somehow the deepest, darkest sins of X, Y, and Z. And I used Ali in the first service, so I'll use Marcus in this one, all right? Let's be, let's be fair to all the elders, right? 
and I did say, to be fair to them, they, they would have a lot less than me, all right? But we'll put it up there. And everything Marcus thought wrong this week would go up there, and everything that he said wrong, sinfully, would go up there, and every, all his sin would be on that board. How would that make him feel? Let's just say we do the same for Windsor. Michaela, justice would have pages. I'm only saying. Uh, but mine, put John's up there. Screen after screen after screen of my thoughts and my words and my deeds, sinful acts in the last week. How would that make me feel? How would that make you feel if that was yours? You would feel judged and you would feel condemned. But there's only one reason you would feel those things. It's because they're there. We were able to do it. I was able to put them up there because they're there, because they're real. That's the reality. They're there in us, and we know this to be true. I was reading this week about uh, an incident involving an American uh, military personnel who trained to within an inch of their lives, combat-ready, com no, known uh, military in, in the fort, just a great soldier. Something snapped, and they shot 12 civilians in Afghanistan. So, on the back of that, uh, a well-known psychologist lecturer in, in, a, in a major university in America wanted to get to the bottom of how that could happen, right? How, how can that happen? How can someone who seems to be perfectly zoned in, trained, got it all together, just snap and go and do something like that? How can that happen? So he wanted to get to the bottom of this. So he, he, he began by a, a conducting an, exper an experiment with his class. And I'd love to do this with us. No, well, I'm joking. You're all like, oh, dog, what's he going to do? <laughs> no, what he did was he began to ask the class if they would share with him some of their deepest, darkest desires of their hearts that they never acted upon. <laughs> Scary stuff, this. Let's just be honest. He said one, and he said the, shock, the answers were, were shocking. He said one young woman who was a, a perfect student, came from a great home, uh, was going on to be, uh, have a great career, get married, do wonderful things. One young woman came to him and said, I invited my boyfriend to my apartment with the intention of stabbing him to death. And she just never acted on it. And he said the stories went on and on and on and on. Why? Because they're there. And we're all the same. The guy said, eh, the question that would be asked was, why do these things happen? The question that should be asked is why they don't happen more often. Imagine for a moment if you were to act on every thought that you had. 
the psalmist is struck by the fact that if the Lord was to deal with us according to the way that we deserve to be dealt with, none of us could stand. None of us could stand. I couldn't stand. You couldn't stand. And so his hope was not in himself. His hope, our hope, your hope, my hope, has to be outside of ourselves, folks. The hope of the world has to be outside of us because if it's coming from us, we are in a bad spot. And the psalmist here looks outside himself and says, Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there is plentiful redemption. And that's the last thing I want us to see this morning. Not only does God give us a song to sing when we're in our deepest, darkest, and when we're in the depths, not only does he show us here that, that sin is our deepest problem, not only does he show us that, that our forgiveness is not based on us, but he shows us that everything we have and need is based and in him. That is the glorious good news of the gospel, folks. It's not based on us. It's him. There is forgiveness with him that he may be feared. We wait on him. We wait on him. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there, there is loving kindness, and with him there is abundant redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. John Calvin said this. Calvin says, You do not know God until you know him in his grace and mercy. You do not know God until you know him in his grace and mercy, and you cannot know him in his grace and mercy until you know that you need his grace and his mercy. And this psalm perfectly lays that out for us. It shows us the place that the psalmist is in, despair, it shows us what that despair comes from, our sin, our need, and then it shows us how we deal with that, and I hope it comes from the Lord and the Lord alone, and we need it. We need His grace. We need His mercy. If you're in the depths this morning, and you may well be, And you may well be in the depths because of something that you've done, said, acted upon. I want you to look outside yourself. Because it would be wrong for us this morning to walk out of this building not knowing, not being secure in the forgiveness that only God can provide. It's wrong for us this morning to be, oh yeah, it's okay to be in the depths. Okay, yeah, we know why we're there, our sin, and walk away. That's wrong. What we need to do, the right response this morning is, look, yes, we're in the depths. We see our own sin. But then take our eyes off ourselves. Look to Christ and be thankful for the forgiveness and the, the, forgiveness and the grace that he provides us. That's the right response. 
And so let's do that. Let's not focus on our sin, but let's focus on Christ and His forgiveness and the grace that comes with that. And that is available to us today. Hallelujah. What a Savior. I want to finish by reading this psalm again, just through, and then I'm going to read the first two verses of that paraphrase by Luther again. Let me read this psalm through. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who could stand but with you? There is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And let me read the first couple of verses from that paraphrase from Luther again as we finish. From the depths of woe I cry to thee in trial and tribulation. Bend down thy gracious ear to me, Lord, hear my supplication. If thou rememberest sin, then who could heaven ever win or stand before thy presence? Thy love and grace alone avail to blot out my transgression. Thy best and holiest deed must fail to break sin's dead oppression. Before thee none can boasting stand, but all must fear thy strict demand and live alone by mercy. That is my prayer for us this morning, that we would live alone by mercy. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the grace of the gospel. Uh, it is good news in the ears of sinners. Uh, and we need it. We need your love. We need your forgiveness. We need your grace. And we are so thankful that in the person of Christ Jesus, you have provided just that. Thank you. And it is in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen.